Take a look at that before the monkey pops your balloon and all the things you're juggling will come tumbling down. Now, as most of you know, I like to start each show with the reading from Day by Day with James Allen. And in 1910, James, 1903, rather, James Allen wrote his essay, As a Man Thinketh. And he took the title from chapter 23, verse 7 of Proverbs, which says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. James wanted us to know that this was a book to make us think, and that everything in our life to this present moment, our thoughts, our intentions, and our beliefs, followed by our actions, have created the reality we're in at this moment. But our past thoughts, actions, intentions, and beliefs are not a predictor of our future. By diligently working and changing our thought patterns, our habits, our belief systems, we can create a new future that's not predestined by our past. And through, Dave, and through As a Man Thinketh, James Allen wanted to teach us how to go about doing that and to look at what's important in our thought process and what we can use to shift and change. In Day by Day with James Allen, his words have been broken up into a little section for each day of the month. And for the 10th day of the month, he tells us, take the responsibility. A person is buffeted by circumstances so long as he believes himself to be the creature of outside conditions. You know, the late Dr. Wayne Dyer used to say there's only two things worth worrying about in life. Those things over which we have control and those things over which we have no control. Now, for the items over which we have control, since we have control, that means we can take responsibility and take an action to shift that situation or circumstance. And therefore, we don't need to worry about it because we can take an action. And those things over which we have no control, since we have no control over them, there's no reason to worry about them. We can take responsibility for waiting to see the outcome and then take an action on the outcome where we may have the opportunity to do so. So don't allow yourself to have the mindset that you are a victim of circumstances. Bad things always happen to you. Nothing ever goes right for you. What things, it, it just is good for John, but it's never good for me. Once we create those mindsets, it goes right to the heart of as a man thinketh. We are creating a belief system within ourselves that says, I am not deserving of better outcomes or better situations or better circumstances than the ones that I allowed to come that push me down. Take the responsibility. A person is buffeted by circumstances so long as he believes himself to be the creature of outside conditions. As long as you see yourself as everything happening to you, and not the captain of your own ship, you'll always be at the mercy of what situations are presented so that you can be a victim. So see yourself as the person who can take control, who can take an action of things that are under your control, or who is willing to wait for something that's not under your control to play itself out to a point where you can take an action. And I've said many times that to create that mindset of a positive thought and a positive intention during the day, I like to start each day with the daily word put out by the Unity School of Christianity. And for Monday, September 10th, the daily word says, divine wisdom guides my daily choices. Now, I see this as very much in agreement with James Allen's words of taking the responsibility. Because remember, it guides my daily choices. I can pray, I can meditate, I can seek guidance within, but then I make a choice and I execute, and that's taking responsibility. So take the time, sometimes away from the noise 
and the chatter of the daily word around you to go into those places of silence, to go into those places of prayer, if that's your preference, but to go into those moments of quiet to request and ask for the guidance you need to take the steps on those items that are under your control or to have the patience to wait for the items not under your control for an outcome when you can take action. And that leads us to our segment guest for today. Dr. Arnie Buss received an undergraduate degree in psychology at Rutgers University and his PhD from Cornell University. And he's been teaching at the graduate and undergraduate level for well over 30 years. But his passion is facilitating and teaching classes about interpersonal communication. He works with individuals and couples to resolve their interpersonal communication issues. In the past eight years, he's given presentations on interpersonal communication skills to a number of organizations from San Francisco down to uh, down through Monterey, the Monterey area. He's also a distinguished Toastmaster, and in 2011, he was a semifinalist in the Toastmasters World Championship of Public Speaking, and he joins us with his segment, Speaking of Listening, on the second Monday each month from 5 to 6. So let's have a musical introduction to Dr. Arnie Buss and Speaking of Listening. In, in building loving and lasting relationships 
and how uh, a concept of uh, Carl Rogers called unconditional positive regard is so important on that and how all of that leads uh, in, an, in a very nice way to being a more effective listener. I'm going to start with the following assumption. This is the assumption that I have for pretty much everybody. And I'm not asking you to believe it, but, but here it is. It is that everyone, without exception, everyone has the desire to create a wonderful relationship. Everyone has the desire to create a wonderful relationship. And I'm not just talking about intimate relationships. I'm talking about relationships that you have with uh, coworkers, uh, somebody you just meet on the street, uh, a friend, a casual acquaintance. Anybody who you come in contact with, you have a relationship with that person. And I assume that everyone has the desire to make that relationship as great as possible, as wonderful as possible, even if it's just for a moment. Now, even through the Internet, I can hear many objections. I mean, you, you might be thinking, well, you don't know my spouse. Or you don't know my mother. You don't know my father. You don't know my mother-in-law. You don't know my... What I'd like to do is for the next 30 minutes... Take those objections, take whatever thoughts they that you're yabbing to yourself and saying, no, 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 he can't be right. Just just take that thought and, and put it aside. Put it somewhere where you can find it again at the end of the segment. And so you, you can pick it up again when the segment is finished. But for now, why, I want you to go with me on this. Accept my premise and, and let's see where it leads. Again, so I'm assuming that in every interaction, no matter how uh, difficult it may be, that everybody really wants it to be a wonderful one. Okay, now you all surely have many examples where it's gone off the rails or where you've interacted with someone who is problematic. or Maybe you're thinking of that... Um, quote, difficult person. I don't believe that there really is such a thing as a difficult person. The people who we perceive as being difficult are typically in some kind of pain or sadness. And when they engage in behavior that we judge to be problematic, all they're doing is trying to get their needs met as best they, they know how. That doesn't mean that everything that somebody does is acceptable. It isn't. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that to see them as from the heart is to see them as people in pain who are trying to get their needs met as best they can. To see someone whose self-esteem has been compromised so I want to talk a little bit about what I mean by self-esteem, because that that concept has been kind of, um, I, I, I think, a little bit misused or misplaced. Uh, the idea itself goes back to the psychologist William James in the late 19th century. And the, the dictionary definition is uh, something along the lines of confidence in one's own worth or abilities, quote, self-respect. Um, and that's not totally what I mean by that. It's not about confidence in your abilities. My definition is self-esteem is an attitude toward yourself as being someone who is inherently and fundamentally worthy, worthwhile, and valuable. Again, my definition is Self-esteem is an attitude toward yourself, toward oneself, as being inherently worthy, worthwhile, and valuable. And this, this is independent of any skills, accomplishments, strengths, weaknesses, lack of skills. This is something that I believe every single human being has 
simply by virtue of being born a human being. And so to have self-esteem, to me, is to see yourself as being inherently worthwhile, regardless of any success, failures, accomplishments, skills. It's basically being 100% okay with yourself. Now, unless you're an enlightened master, it's hard to get to that 100%. I, I don't know anyone who's quite there. But the idea is to set that as a goal. And to understand that that seeing oneself as, as worthy is, is, is the key element to having a wonderful relationship with everybody you encounter. Now, some of the roadblocks, there's, well, the main roadblock to self-esteem is something called the inner critic or the judge. And that's that voice inside you that judges you harshly. Do you ever have inner thoughts like, oh, you know, I'm a terrible person or I'm no good or I'm not good enough? Or when your actions fall short of your expectations, your inner critic beats you up for it. Or, or even worse. Now, wh- where does this come from? It seems that everybody has an inner critic to one degree or another. It seems to be something that is inherent in uh, in our upbringing. No matter how wonderful or loving your upbringing was, chances are you have at least some of, a, of an inner critic. Now, and the worse, the more problematic your upbringing was, the worse your inner critic tends to be. But it's important to understand that, that this inner critic is not you. And this inner critic is a a coping mechanism that was developed in order, basically in order to survive childhood. And it's something that sticks with us. Many people feel or believe that they need without the inner critic they wouldn't be motivated okay without this inner critic kind of you know uh, flogging me on I, I i just would sit there and not not make do any accomplishments i don't believe that's true i think the the biggest accomplishments are made by people who have more self esteem see self esteem is an anathema to this inner critic and an aspect of that is when you take on what other people think of you. Now, the thing is, is that you know not everybody's going to think you're you're the greatest. Not everybody's going. Even if you have great self-esteem, not everybody is going to see you that way, and that's okay. How somebody else sees you impacts you only if you choose to take it in and. And the way that, it, it, when I say choose, you know, sometimes it's not even a choice if we're unaware of our inner critic. What happens is somebody uh, criticizes you. Why does that trigger something? It triggers something because it connects with an inner critic that is saying the same thing. And so you're basically getting it from the inside and the out. Now, let me talk a little bit about self-esteem and narcissism. See, now, the way that self-esteem has been presented in some areas, it, it looks a little bit more like narcissism. Uh, there, there have been some Saturday Night Live skits where you know, the guy looking in the mirror and just giving himself these silly affirmations. That's not self-esteem. You know, being being smart enough and people liking you that that that's not self-esteem self-esteem is isn't even you liking liking you it's you seeing yourself as being unconditionally worthy and okay so let's look at narcissism because it, it self-esteem has been criticized for sometimes legitimately the way it's been presented as as leading to narcissism. So what is narcissism? It's extreme selfishness with a grandiose view of one's own talents and a craving for admiration. 
So you, you see the difference between self-esteem and narcissism? See, self-esteem has nothing to do with talents. It has nothing to do with what others think of you. It has nothing to do with how grand you are. Self-esteem is unaffected by whether somebody admires you or whether somebody criticizes you. Uh, in the latest diagnostic uh, manual, there there is something called a narcissistic personality disorder, which is uh, a personality disorder is one in which the individual has a, a, a distorted self-image. It's it's unstable and intense emotions is overly preoccupied in this case for for the the NPD or narcissistic personality disorder, overly preoccupied with vanity, prestige, power personal adequacy, lacking empathy, and has an exaggerated sense of superiority. Uh, you probably know somebody like that, and uh, I, I dare say if you've been paying attention to the news, um, you've probably noticed somebody like that. What I've noticed, though, is that when people talk about narcissistic personality disorder, it's always the other person, it's always the other guy who has it. Now, the thing is, is that uh, most of us are not going to have a long-term or ongoing relationship with, um, with some of these people that we see in the news. But we are going to have relationships with people who are in our lives. And I can tell you that regardless of how you see the news, that if you see another person that you're in a relationship as having a disorder, that is not a recipe for a loving relationship. One way to just sort of measure that is turn it around. How do you respond or react if somebody who you are in a relationship with sees you as having a disorder, sees you as being a narcissist, accusing you of being selfish and self-centered and, and vain. Well, m my question for them would be, well, you know, why, if that's really how you see this person, then why would you want to be in a relationship with them? But let, let, let's go back to self-esteem. See, Carl Rogers, as I was alluding to, he has a wonderful phrase that I like called unconditional positive regard. See, now positive regard is, again, it's not a, um, it's not really a judgment. It's, it's seeing yourself unconditionally, again, as being, being worthy, as being valuable, again, those are positive things. The unconditional positive regard. You regard yourself in a positive manner. And it doesn't mean that you're that you do everything perfectly. It doesn't mean that you know that you've been totally wonderful in the relationship. It doesn't mean that you haven't done things uh, that maybe you feel guilty about or ashamed about. Again, the, the guilt and is not in itself a bad thing. It can be detrimental if you allow guilt to compromise your self-esteem. If you feel guilty, you know, a, a healthy guilt about something that you know has been counter to what your values are, and we all have those, let's be honest, and it's it's healthy to feel guilty about that, but it is not healthy to beat yourself up about it, and it is not healthy to use that to compromise your self-esteem. More importantly, it does not give you or anyone license to abuse or to harm others with their actions or even with their words. does mean having an attitude, again, that you are worthy regardless of your talents, regardless of whether you have been successful or, or uh, failed in a particular task, or what your status is. So let's continue with this unconditional positive regard because it's it's so important. And, and notice I start with yourself because the thing is that um, – 
when you define unconditional positive regard as applying to the other person, then it is the key to being in a relationship with them in a heart-centered manner. And again, not not even just intimate relationships. Why not be heart-centered when it comes to everybody that you encounter? So while the first leg of having a a wonderful relationship is your self-esteem, your unconditional positive regard for yourself, the second is having unconditional positive regard for the other person. And in this context, it means having an attitude of seeing the other person as being okay, regardless of what they uh, they say or do, or regardless of what they think or feel. And again, I'm not talking about opening yourself to abuse. I'm not talking about accepting anything that's unacceptable. Because unconditional regard is not... It's not agreeing with anything or everything or even anything about what the other person says. You don't have to agree with them to see them as being okay. It isn't about accepting everything they do as being okay. And it isn't even about even liking them or loving them. But seeing them simply because they're human as being valuable and worthy. Now, here's why the two are related, because I believe, and I'm, I'm absolutely convinced of this, that you can only have as much positive regard for another person as you have for yourself. In other words, the extent to which you are okay with yourself is the extent to which it is possible for you to be okay for, with others. Uh, there's a very dense book by Martin Buber called I and Thou, uh, but, but he really explores this this concept, and uh, you know I find it <laughs> I struggle with a lot of his writing. But when I when I can wrestle some of his concepts to the ground, they are just amazing. So the, the, again, the idea here, the way he expresses it, is to see the other person as being fully human, but not as an object. See, because when we when we treat another person badly. When we see the other person as less than, we're, we're, we're treating them not as a person, but as an object. And that contradicts unconditional positive regard. You know, and you've probably, you've all heard the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Um, however, the problem is, is that they may have completely different tastes than you do. So they, they may not want to do un, unto them as you would have them do. But And the uh, where, where I think that this saying emphasized doing rather than attitude. So my golden rule would be be unto others as you would have them be unto you. In other words, have an attitude of unconditional positive regard towards them because that is a, a, an attitude that you want to have. Um, and I am convinced that everybody wants to be seen as being okay. And the, the third, all of this leads to how to be an effective listener. See, and I've, I've talked about how to how to phrase things and how to how to say them and not to raise your voice when uh, you, when you want to drop your voice. I mean, and those are all important skills, but all of them are secondary to the basic attitude that you have. See, because effective listening is where all of this gets put into action. And the, the rubber meets the road is when you hear something from the other person that's that's uncomfortable or it's something that you disagree with or it might be a criticism of you or a complaint or, or maybe somebody's criticizing about somebody else or, or just expressing some feelings. The most effective way to respond rather than react is to track that person. And I've, I've talked about that in other segments and I'll talk more about it and furthermore. For, for future segments. But the key concept today is how self-esteem and unconditional positive regard facilitate effective listening through tracking. Because regardless of how skillful the words that you say are, 
they will not be effective if they don't have a an attitude underneath that is conscious and responsive. In order to stay conscious and responsive rather than unconscious and reactive, it first requires having self-esteem. Because being reactive is an indication that your comp- your self-esteem has been compromised. That is if you're reacting, if you find yourself reacting to something, then the reason you're reacting is because there's a part of you that is seeing yourself as not okay. That that inner critic is getting uh is rearing its ugly head. So first to stay conscious and responsive, you stay okay with yourself. Second, unconditional positive regard toward the other person. Again, regardless of what they're saying, regardless of whether you agree with it, regardless of whether it seems like a a terrible attack on you. In order to hear the coded message requires you first have to accept that they do have a legitimate message, even if it's hidden, especially if it's hidden. And furthermore, they have an unconditional right to what they're thinking and what they're feeling, regardless of whether you agree with them or not. Because if if you think that they they have no right to think and feel what they what they're going through, then, well, first of all, you're you're setting yourself up for a, a no win situation. Uh, but more importantly, you're not really seeing them as an autonomous, fully human person. Because a fully human person has a complete right to their thoughts and to their feelings. And this is especially important when you want to respond rather than react to criticism. So again, like if somebody is coming at you, especially somebody who you really care about, and if you don't care about them, the chances are you're not going to get triggered so much. I mean, think of, uh, I remember when... um, when one of my sons was real little and we he, we we made him go to bed at his bedtime instead of staying up late and he looked at us with fury in his eyes and he screamed i hate you now <laughs> i you know if you've had kids you probably experienced something along that line when they when they get upset and the thing is is that you know did <laughs> we can't take that personally what was the thing? He was just a little guy. He was expressing his anger, his pain, his frustration in the only way he knew how. So there's no way to take that personally. Now, what if it's an adult? Well, if it's an adult, really, it's like there's <laughs> he's a little kid again, like a little kid sort of stamping his feet and being upset because he can't have a cookie before supper or he has to go to bed before he wants to. So unconditional positive regard means seeing them as being okay, even if they're coming at you with something critical. And together, self-esteem and unconditional positive regard for the other person creates an attitude that recognizes that all criticism is about the pain of the one expressing it. See, if if the person who's criticizing you had the kind of skills that I that I've been teaching. And, well, in honesty, sometimes <laughs> uh, wind wind up uh, being effective with. They would express it in a way that doesn't make you wrong. And there are ways of doing that. Again, I've talked about that in other segments, and uh, there will be more talk about that. I take from the Course of Miracles, they say at one point, all attack is a call for help. And that is so important, I find. All attack is a call for help. And that means that the one who is attacking, they're in pain or they're in distress or sadness. They're really, in a way, it's it's a, they're asking for help. But they're unconscious and they're reactive and they're just kind of lashing out in the pain that they're in. And because their self-esteem has been compromised. If somebody is lashing out like that, that means their self-esteem is not... Uh, what it could be. 
And that doesn't mean that yours has to get down to that same level. So those are the three keys that I found to having a wonderful relationship. Self-esteem, unconditional positive regard, and effective listening. Those three together form the foundation for making any relationship a wonderful one. And when I said that earlier, you may have had the thought, well, you don't know my my spouse, my mother-in-law, and I ask you to put that thought aside for the segment. And now that the segment is uh, coming to a close, you can go, you can pick up that thought again. Again, I'm not going to try to make you uh, think something uh, else. Uh, I ask you, don't take my word for any of this, but I do ask you know, try it on, test it out, see if it works for you. See if by changing the way that you see others, especially somebody who you may think of as a difficult person, try thinking of them as someone in pain. So pick up that thought if you wish. It is my hope that maybe you'll just kind of leave it because you don't need it. That person who you're seeing as being difficult or challenging or 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 whatever, what would happen if you just saw them as somebody who was in pain? So you have been listening to Speaking of listening, on Good Vibrations Radio with Solazar, I've been your host, Arnie Buss, and I so appreciate you joining me today. You can listen to Speaking of Listening every second Monday at 5 o'clock right here on Good Vibrations Radio. And to learn more, you can visit my website. That's ConsciousAwareHeart.com. My email is ahbuss, B-U-S-S, at ConsciousAwareHeart.com. That's all one word, ConsciousAwareHeart. Uh, on Facebook, I'm at AwareHeart, and on Twitter, it's Effect, the number 5-C-O-M-M. Uh, and again, my website is www.consciousawareheart.com. And until next time, remember, listen from your heart. Oh, you should have listened. There is someone here inside. One I thought had died so long ago. That was Dr. Arnie Buss and speaking of listening. And Dr. Buss, are you still with us? Yep, I'm here. Okay, can I ask you a couple of questions about Carl Rogers? Oh, sure, yeah. I'd like to go, because as I understand it, and correct me wherever I'm wrong, is that he's certainly one of the founders of the uh, humanistic approach to psychology. And if I recall, one of his elements was also, and I'm paraphrasing here, so, and I'm not quoting, is that really we need to also remember that everybody lives in a universe at which they're the center. So sometimes in our interactions with people, as you were sharing, to recognize that people are in pain, but also to recognize that no matter, even when they lash out, they're really not lashing out at us. Exactly. Because... Yeah. They're in their own universe at which they're the center. And as you said, they're expressing their pain through that reaction or however they're choosing to do it. Yeah, that, that, that's a really good point. And, yeah, and he, he talks about that, and he, he, he applied those concepts in his, in his psychotherapy. Um, and uh, I, I don't know if you're aware, the, two, two of his students, uh, one was Thomas Gordon, who founded uh, Parent Effectiveness Training, and one of his other students was uh, Marshall Rosenberg, who 
created nonviolent communication. And they yeah, Rosenberg, I was familiar with, not the other one. Yeah, and uh, they, so they 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 both took Rogers' ideas and kind of expanded and and them uh, into a variety of other areas. Uh, uh, and they're both, you know, wonderful resources that that, that come from the, the same kind of attitude. I, I to that I, one of the things that I would add to that too is uh, yeah the, the, in a way we're kind of at the center of uh, the universe and and in a way we don't really interact with the other people we interact with our image of the other people <laughs> if that it's kind of sense. our projection of yeah of what what we believe they are based on how they react to how they live in our universe to us correct yeah and, so, and the other element that i thought about his approach to therapy correct me if i'm wrong and i think this goes right to the heart of your tracking is that he was never in the position his approach was never to really direct or guide or even tell anyone anything to do it was more about allowing them to peel back the layers of their own onion and reveal themselves by asking them. Now, it's not quite the same as tracking, I understand, because it was more of, of a questioning process. But it's really allowing the person to reveal themselves and never be in the position of telling them what they are or are not or feeling or not feeling, etc., yeah, absolutely. That 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 was a key element to his his approach, and it's it's one that I I think is is important in all relationships as well. You know, because a lot of times, like if somebody is uh, telling us a problem, our first rea our first reaction is to to give them a solution. <laughs> well, why don't you do this or why don't you do that? And you know the, what what Rogers uh, promoted, even even in the context of psychotherapy, uh, was he, he believed that everybody really had all the answers inside them already. It just they they might not be they might need some facilitation in order to get in touch with them, and that's what he that that's what he tried to do. And, and I think I think that that's a, that's a good approach in all relationships. In other words, instead of telling somebody else what to do or giving them advice to to help them come to their own solution. And and you've touched on that repeatedly in your guides to interpersonal communication. You you specifically deal with it in tracking where you say don't don't say to somebody, well, are you feeling this or are you feeling that? Yeah. We're really just really you may be feeling we're really creating connection or rapport as opposed to telling Right. And we're definitely not trying to solve. And I, I just want to, I found that element interesting uh, in today's segment. So I just wanted to touch on that a little bit. And I appreciate you being willing to discuss it a little further. Oh, well, thank you. Well, and once again, ConsciousAwareHeart.com. They can connect up with Dr. Arnie Buss. And you hear him right here at Speaking of Listening. So that's... There's just a couple of elements because some of you may not have paid attention to yesterday's uh, new moon in Virgo. You know what that does? That's going to take all of this stress and tension I was talking about with the tarot card for September and shift it around a little bit to have us pay attention, get to work, get things done without all the moaning and groaning and actually going right to the heart of this conversation without all that idea of somebody or something else is keeping you from getting done what you need to do. That wonderful Virgo energy, that earth-based energy is going to allow us to get to work and get things done. Now, there's still some quirkiness going on in the month, and there's still going to be some shifts, but fortunately, Mercury is no longer retrograde, so you can't, you can't blame Mercury for your screwed-up communications. Mars is out of retrograde, so if you need the energy to get things done, you can't blame the fact that Mars is retrograde on it. And there's still going to be some unpredictability because Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto are still all retrograde. But this month right now is the time, instead of saying, here's what I haven't gotten done up till now, start taking those steps, start taking those actions. 
So we want to remind you to go to the segment host page of goodvibrationsradio.com to connect with any of the segment hosts that speak here. Go to consciousawareheart.com to connect with Dr. Arnie Buss and stay in touch with him also for his workshops coming on. And as we close out for today's show, I want to repeat the anonymous poem from Empower Astrology that says, In the midst of hate, I found there was within me an invincible love. In the midst of tears, I found there was within me an invincible smile. In the midst of chaos, I found there was within me an invincible calm. And I realized through it all that in the midst of winter, I found there was within me an invincible summer. No matter how hard the world pushes against you, within you there's something stronger, something better, pushing right back. As Dr. Buss says, give from your heart, whatever you do, give from your heart. Don't be a victim. Be the victor of your life. Good Vibrations Radio will be back next Monday the 17th from 5 to 6 p.m. Pacific Time with Joyce Muse, Pacific Astrology, with her astrological forecast for the rest of September as a prelude to what's coming up in October. And don't forget our quarterly preview at the Monterey Elks Lodge in Monterey on the 28th of September. Doors open at 7. The event starts at 7.30, and you'll get the full quarterly preview. And one more reminder, Rota Psychic Fair, October 13th and 14th, Monterey Fairgrounds. Come on out, have some fun. Get an early Halloween on by wearing your Halloween costume because you never know. There may be witches there. So that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Take the lead in your life and turn it into gold. Many blessings. Namaste. Oh.